you know, when you get a business, it's like your baby, you carry your baby, you cradle your baby, the baby start crawling, the baby walks. My baby is still crawling. It's not walking yet. What prevented you from taking the leap before? 100% fear. Fear of failure, fear of not being good enough, pure and 100% fear. It takes a lot of confidence to overcome fear. It takes a lot of confidence, but a lot of people pushing you. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Worked Up, the podcast where you learn to write your own success story. On today's episode, we have Paula Alsate Brown. Paula is an esthetician who built her own practice after moving from New York City down to South Florida. We have been on concurrent entrepreneurship journeys, and not only is she a personal friend of mine, she is also someone who has been a cheerleader from day one of my business, and I've been a cheerleader of hers since day one. And so it's been really great to go through this process together. We touch on a lot of topics in our conversation, mostly around entrepreneurial mindset. We talk about things like fear of launching a business and creating things to be bigger than they are in reality, how support systems can help us build confidence when we don't have it in ourselves, how taking action can help you get out of analysis paralysis and surrendering to control. We also talk about comparison and how easy it is as an entrepreneur to compare against other people doing similar things. And at the end of the day, that staying true to yourself is what keeps you traveling toward your own definition of success. Hope you enjoy it. We are joined today by Paula Alsate Brown, a dear friend of mine. How are you? Um, well, wow, your pronunciation is perfect. I pride myself on that after many years of Spanish class. <laughs> I better have good pronunciation. Yes, it's, no, it's perfect, perfect. Because Actually, most people say Pola and Alzate is always Alzade. Oh, really? Yeah. So I know what it's like to have your name mispronounced because growing up, my maiden name was Weinman. W-E-I-N-M-A-N. And everyone, telemarketers, would call the house and it would be as Mr. Weenman there, (laughs) which is just a terrible way to have your name pronounced. (laughs) Bushard. Well, thank you for being here. I'm really happy that you are. And frankly, this is a long time in the making. Yes, yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You are one of the very first people who encouraged me to do a podcast. Yes, we were talking about it, I remember. And I'm so happy, obviously, you went and did it. And it's so great because we were talking about the beginning of everything. You know, it was the beginning of my business and the beginning of your plans. Yes, I remember that. And that's exactly what I want to talk about today, is beginnings and new beginnings. And we met Because we both had a new beginning. We moved from New York City down to South Florida. We connected. We both started new beginnings businesses. And so I'd love if you'd be able to share with the audience a little bit about that journey. 
yes, like you said, we moved. I moved from from New York. I was living in Hoboken at that point, and um, we decided to move. And just to make sure, because I don't want to get any hate from Floridians, because most most people are like you, New Yorkers, moving to invade. Yeah, we've we, invaded. <laughs> <laughs> We bought before the the COVID. We were planning to move, but this was something that it was a little bit more in the future. Maybe a couple of, you know, we're kind of wait a little bit, but it happens to be that COVID came and we were like, okay, we really need to leave. So we moved here and I was like a fish out of water, basically, when I moved here. How so? Because it's so different than New York. It was... It's very nice, but it's very different. And you understand, you know, in New York is, is you, you walk everywhere. Yeah. The vibe is different. And it's, it's so weird because I, I even miss the subway, you know, the, the chaos of the subway, all that I was missing. It was so different. So for me, it was really tough. And it wasn't so much about not having friends around because I was able to connect with my friends and keep talking to them. But it was just the surroundings that it was, it was beautiful. And I should be happy because it was beautiful. I should have been happy, but I was missing just the surroundings of New York, the rush, the walking, the bumping into people. I really miss that. Now I'm getting more used to this. Well, it's a complete change of environment, right? It's a complete change of culture, frankly. There are culturally a lot of things that are different in New York than there are in South Florida. Pace is obviously one of them. But even, you know, views on certain things, the way people interact with one another. So it totally makes sense to me because in a lot of ways, I kind of felt the same way, right? We moved during COVID, so it was really a shock because we couldn't even leave our homes. But it makes a lot of sense. And frankly, I think it's something a lot of people have to deal with. Even, you know, obviously moving geographic locations, that's a big one. But moving companies, moving groups, moving teams, I think that makes a lot of sense. So you moved to Florida. You slowly got used to the Floridian life. Yes. I moved here and then in New York, I've been an esthetician for over 20 years and all the time I worked in New York. When I moved here, I found myself, like I said, like a fish out of water. I didn't know where I was going to find a job. That was the first thing. And the other thing is that Florida requirements are very, a little bit different than New York. In New York, I was able to operate lasers. I used to work with lasers a lot. But here is very different. Here you need a different license. And if you get the license, you have to work under a doctor's supervision. So it was very different. So for me at that point, it was like, I, I can't do this. I just going to have to start like almost like a, you know, just very from the basics of the aesthetics uh, field. Right. Kind of. And I was, it was an uncomfortable place for me because I felt like I was stepping back instead of stepping forward. So for me, it was feeling like I was just going backwards. And to add this to the, to the feeling of just adapting to this new life, it was not good. 
Um, can I can I jump in there for a second? Because I think you're hitting on something that's really important. Mm-hmm. A lot of people can resonate with this idea of feeling like they're taking a step back or thinking they're taking a step back, mm-hmm. being a fish out of water. And to me, as you're saying that, what resonates for me is just discomfort and getting out of your comfort zone. And we hear everything that says, oh, you grow by getting out of your comfort zone, da 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 And it's uncomfortable. Very. So how did you manage that discomfort? Well, when it comes to, to like the, the job aspect to manage that, I just kind of like kind of numbed myself in a way and just I found a job with a doctor. Mm-hmm. I was working with them, very nice people, but still I was feeling it, it wasn't what I like to do because just to go back a little bit in New York, I work in the two sides of the field, um, mm-hmm. the medical field and the spa field. And I love that merging of both because you get like results driven, but you also get the relaxation part of like a spa. So here it was going to be either or I could not that. When in New York, I had, I was able to, to be in that environment of both. So here I was at this doctor and this, it was just medical. So I basically numbed myself and I did, I'm just going to go to work and this is what it is. And in the personal aspect, I honestly, I love nature. So I was always looking for places to go and just kind of like hug three, <laughs> three, <laughs> you know, I was just looking for places that bring me peace yeah. and make me feel good. So that's how I kind of like when like I, I was kind of getting myself, helping myself to feel better, basically. It's so interesting to me that you were almost forced to choose between different sides of your personality. Yes. And for me, I've always, I came to learn this as I've gone through my life and my career, but I have a very big rebel in me who refuses to be put in a box, right? You can't define me. I'm not just one thing. I could be multiple things at multiple times and you can't make me only do one thing, right? And you having to decide, do I go down the medical route or do I go down the spa route? Yes. When I hear that, I think that rebel in me is like, but you're ignoring half of yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, at that point, yes, that's why I, I quit. I quit. Mm. And, and thankfully, and this is where it comes that the idea of, of getting serious about opening my own thing. Uh, this was always in my head. Even when I came out of school 20 years ago, 20 something years ago, it was in my head and it was always there marinating, you know, I, but I never, never took the, the step to do it. What prevented you from taking the leap before? 100% fear. 100% fear of what? Fear of failure, fear of fear of now being good enough, fear of like fear of um, like going through the whole paperwork of getting a business. Oh my God, this is too much legal stuff, pure and hundred percent fear. And that's why I always went 
to work for somebody in New York. So we, it takes a lot of confidence to overcome fear. It takes a lot of confidence, but a lot of people pushing you. <laughs> well, people, yeah. Valid. So how did you overcome that fear? Because fast forward today, you well, have your own thriving practice. Yes. Well, I I overcame that fear basically to just tell myself I got to do it. Honestly, what I did was I thought if I don't do this now, I'm going to regret it in the future. Mm. Regardless uh, is a successful business or not, but I will regret it because I I will be always wondering what if. So that's one. And the other one was my my husband, my mother, my family, my friends, they were pushing me. What are you waiting? What are you doing? Don't work for somebody. You have to do it. Don't be afraid. And it was that, that support from people definitely helped. Yeah. It's almost like in the absence of your own self-confidence, you kind of absorb the confidence that the other people around you have to be able to take the leap. Yes. That's, that's, that's basically what it was. And I'm very grateful for that because the support of my, you know, my husband and my mother and, you know, it's, it's amazing. Friends, my friends that are in the same industry that are in New York, they have their own business and I was able to, they opened their hearts and, and their, you know, knowledge in, in, in terms of business. I, I was, I know I felt free to call them and what should I do? And they were guiding me. It was really nice. Isn't it amazing? the importance of help. Yes. Right? So much. (laughs) How many times, certainly in starting my business and also in my corporate career, you can't do anything by yourself. You need relationships. Yes, you do. What do you think was the most helpful thing other than the confidence and the push to actually start your business? But what do you think was the most helpful thing that your network helped you with? Um, I think just, hmm, I, because I said besides the confidence, but I think it's actually was the confidence yeah. to, 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 to get over that fear and be confident. It does because they were nice that I was wondering, like, am I doing the right thing? Maybe I should stay working for somebody and that will be just, you know, a safe paycheck and I won't have to worry and no basically not much of, um, of things to, to worry about during, yeah. you know, and, but then the confidence and I, it's, it's very strange because I'm a very confident person. I am very confident, but when it came to business, I was not confident at, at all. What do you think that stems from? I don't know. I just, um, uh... It's, it's just strange because like I said, I'm so confident, but at the same time, I had no confidence in myself. And it's just, just it's just everything comes back to the fear and, yeah. and, and not being able to overcome that. Uh, but when I overcame that, it became like almost like a, somebody took, a, uh, you know, like dark goggles from my eyes and, and made me see that it, it's not a big deal. You just, you know, do it. It's not a big deal. So it's almost like you were working it up in your head into Absolutely. this bigger thing than it actually was. Yes, it was making it bigger than than what it really was. And that's that's what it was preventing me. You're making me think, so you know the term imposter syndrome? 
Yes. Everybody knows the term imposter syndrome. I don't like that term. (laughs) I'll tell you why I don't like that term. I don't like that term because number one, you're calling something a syndrome. Yes, it's true. Which gives it a lot of power. And at the end of the day, it's self-doubt. It is. (laughs) All it is is self-doubt. And self-doubt is human and everybody has self-doubt and self-doubt is common and self-doubt is normal. But when it's imposter syndrome, it's this big, scary thing that feels, at least for me, very difficult to overcome. Yes. And it's amazing because I do this too. Everybody does this. All my clients do it, right? Everybody works themselves up into a tizzy when at the end of the day, and I think this is coming through in in your story, sometimes you just have to do something. Yes. And that helps clear the fog. It's like shifting from analysis to action. Just what is one small action you can do? So if you don't feel confident, what's one small thing you could do to get a little bit closer to your goal? It's just... uh ignore the, the my, my own the sounds in my head how do you like, do that huh i don't have a like a clear answer for do that do you meditate well i do well if you, if we get into that yes i do meditate i consider myself myself pretty spiritual mm-hmm. so i think that it helped a lot just you know calming myself in that way and just moving, just moving. And you know what? I'm going to tell you actually what it was. It was surrendering. Ooh. Just surrender. Surrender to what it was. Not trying to control. I consider my, myself a very controlling person. Not in that bad way, by the way. <laughs> not control people. No, not at all. But I'm a very controlling of my myself. What does that mean? Like... Like almost like things have to be a certain way, like things have to be this way. If they're structured, not, like organized, structured, yeah, extremely to the point that it's a little too much in my house, in my stuff. I don't control my husband; he can do whatever he wants. Friends, <laughs> you know, but when it comes to my personal stuff, I'm very, very structured, and yeah, I guess it's a this is a better word for than controlling. <laughs> yes. So when I. When I finally surrender to let it be, whatever is going to be, will be, it, it just kind of like, ah, oh, okay, I, you know, let it be. So I consider myself spiritual too. Mm-hmm. And I've read a lot on this topic and I think there's different words for the same thing in non-spiritual circles, but this word surrender, mm-hmm. there's the thought of surrendering and then the practice of surrendering, which are two very different things. And one of the drums I beat all the time with my clients, with my husband, with my you know, family, it's you can only control what you can control and what's actually in your control. Mm-hmm. So how do you actually practice surrendering? When it, when it comes to my to work, to, to the business, my fear and in, in, in the, in the controlling part was like, I have to have, you know, I have to, the treatments have to be this way. Uh, clients have to come from this, this, this source. I have to be successful by this time. 
when it came to that, I just kind of like, just like in between that meditation, in between that being realistic, I just felt like I have to let it flow, go. Clients will come when they need to, when they will come. And, and in terms of, of being, of having certain level of success by certain time, I just kind of canceled that and, and let it be. And I'm like, just let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. If it's, if it's meant to be, it will be. It's not a formula to be like, I'm surrendering and I'm doing this and that. It's just kind of comes with it. You know, you just kind of, you just take it this big inhale, exhale, and just almost like whatever. And that's, that has been the best, the best way that I have been able to overcome certain things in my life when I just let it loose. That resonates a lot with me. Mm -hmm. And I know a very wise woman who makes that distinction between being willing and willful, Mm -hmm. where if you're willful about something, you're pushing. If you're willing, you're inviting it. Mm -hmm. And so that's helpful for me in terms of the energy around the action. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I'm doing as much as I can do and what will come will come versus I got to go. I got to get this. I got it. I got it. And it's interesting because as I'm saying that I'm getting the image in my head of a salesperson. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I've had multiple conversations this week about sales with clients. Sales is consulting. You're solving a problem. And if you're going to go and be a snake oil salesman and say to people, come on down and get this new thing, people are going to smell that inauthenticity a mile away, Mm -hmm. right? There's an element of power in saying, this is what I offer. Mm -hmm. This is where I see your challenge. Mm -hmm. Is there an opportunity here? If not, fine. So something else will come. Right. Yes. Right. And I think in a weird way, that's confidence too, going back to that confidence comment earlier. It's like a confidence in knowing everything will be okay. Yes. Yes. At the beginning of the business, that was one of my main concerns. Where are my clients are going to come from? Because moving from New York to here is Mm -hmm. for me was starting from zero. It didn't matter how many years of experience I had, but coming here, nobody knew me. Nobody knew what I did before, you know, nobody tried my hands before. <laughs> so so it was like, okay, I'm just brand new, zero here, basically starting starting from nothing. So letting people get to know me, that was my biggest challenge because I was wondering where are they where are they gonna come from? But I got a few clients like you. And you were very nice to spread the word. And then I started getting clients. And then I got clients that started looking at, you know, on Google and they saw reviews. Yeah. And they started coming like that. And one person told another one. And it's not to say that my business is up there. Because, you know, when you get a business, it's like your baby. And your baby, is, you carry your baby, you cradle your baby. The baby start crawling. The baby walks. My baby is still crawling. Is not walking yet. And it will walk eventually, of course. But it's that whole process of like, okay, just you know, you 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 deposit your your faith and 
and people as well. You you know, you, you need, like you said, you need help from people and people have been re- very, very helpful spreading the word. Yeah. So side note, if you are in South Florida, I'm going to have Paola give all of her information at the end of our interview, but you should definitely go check her out. She's amazing. Thank you. Secondly, I love your visual about a business being a baby. Yeah. Because it's so true. There's a gestation process, right? And then there is, you have to crawl before you walk and you have to walk before you run. And I find it with myself, with my own business, and I find it with my clients, with their businesses. They're so eager to be running marathons out of the womb. Yes. So it's just such a beautiful way of illustrating the process by which a company grows. Yes. So so take me back to the launch when you were actually going to launch your business. Here you are. You were nervous. You had fear. You had a whole cheerleading squad supporting you and pushing you forward. You're in a new place. You're a fish out of water, to use your own words. How did that yes. go? It went well. I didn't do any big opening of anything. I just because here, what I do, my business now is a small studio. So the concept here is very. It was different than New York. In New York, there is this concept. I think it started to 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 be popular now in New York. You rent your studio, and there is many people that it's share. Like we work for. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It's just like that. So I didn't do any big opening. I remember the first day that I opened, I was so nervous. And this lady came in and it was my first ever client, like walking in. And I was so nervous. It's so weird because with all this year, these years of experience, I was so, so nervous to, to, to treat this person because it was like, holy smokes, this is my business. This is a client that is coming to me. Not to, now, when I was in New York, it was going to this business and it you know, happens to be that they were going to see me. This was me. Mm-hmm. So I saw this lady and I was jumping up and down. When I, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, I called my mom and my husband. I'm like, oh my God, I got a client. I got a client. So it was really exciting. So it, that was the first, the first client I'd had. And obviously after that, it was kind of like, you know, like a, like a waves of people, you know, came, then quiet, then came and quiet. The first year you see it is, it was kind of like, you know, the beginning, it, it, especially with a, with a business, like it's in the service industry, it's a little bit different. People come and go, people repeat, people go away for a few months and then they reappear. So it was like that. And now I'm in the I'm going to be in November, the second year. And now I see people, uh, clients that are more consistent. Yes. Yeah. More consistent. So I'm seeing that. And I was, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited because I thought people say the first years is all losses. And it wasn't like I lost that much on the first year. Yeah. So, yes. It's interesting you just said that because I think in my own starting my business and growing my business, I've realized there's a lot of beliefs mm-hmm. that people hold that they tried to put on me. Like, oh, you're not going to hit 
X, Y, Z amount of money for three years. So don't expect to. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, the first year is going to be really hard. Or, oh, you have to be all over social media to get clients. Yes. And if I had listened to them, Mm -hmm. I don't think I'd be where I was today. Because I would have limited myself. Yes. Do you know what I mean? There's Absolutely. there's an element of limiting yourself when you kind of absorb other people's beliefs in some way. Yes. Yes, because you 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 totally you put these goals that have to happen at a certain time because this is what kind of like the normal is, you know, and one year, this, two years, this, three, that. And and for now, I'm just you know, I'm just, I'm grateful that I, you know, I have great weeks. If the weeks are slow, then I do something else. And it's funny what you said about social media, because everybody was telling me, you have to be on social media all the time. And, and granted in, in, in this industry, it's, it's important to, you know, to let people know what you're doing and, and all that. But at the same time is a, how do you say that in English? My first language is Spanish. So I'm trying to remember this, this saying. Say, in, in, say it in Spanish. Eh, un arma de doble filo. Like yeah, it, like, no, over my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like, okay, so let me, let me try to explain this. It's like, it's amazing that you post all the time and you're in social media all the time, but it can be harmful as well. Because ah. Yes, because you start comparing your your business to other business. So you're like, oh my gosh, comparison yes. is the thief of joy. Yeah. So you're like, even I don't want to, and I'm never being like, oh, this person is doing because I'm not like that. And whatever I have to share with people and with uh, and other peers, I believe me, I'm an open book for whatever people write me. Oh, where did you get this? What are you doing with that? This I I guide them. I don't care. I think yeah. it's enough. there is enough of faces in the world for estheticians. But, <laughs> I've been very, very open, but also you get to a point that you start comparing yourself with other people or with other businesses. So you, Oh, wow. This person is doing that. I'm not doing that yet. Oh, maybe, maybe I should do that. Why am I not doing that? So you start questioning yourself. So it's good to be out there in social media, but you have to be very careful with social media as well. Because it it can become a little bit too much. Totally. Not to mention, we all know this, that Mm -hmm. social media is fake. Yeah. We all know that it's completely contrived what people put out there. We also Mm -hmm. all know there's a ton of misinformation and disinformation out there too. So it's it's hard to look at something and say, oh, this is what they're doing. This is true. This, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't tell you how many ads from coaches I get. I make eight figures a year and I'm selling my tried and true method. And I'm like, oh, interesting. And then part of me is like, okay, if you were making eight figures a year, first of all, what are your costs? What's your profit? And second of all, why would you give that away? Yes. Right? So, <laughs> eh. yes, you have I don't to. know how real it is. So, <laughs> yes. I, but it's very easy to get on the platforms and say, this person's doing that. I'm not doing that. I need to be doing that. This person's doing that. I want to go back to basics. This is my commitment I'm making to you, Paola, as my friend and to you, all of my listeners as my friends. 
I want to go back to basics. Yes, you need a social media presence. I find human connections and referrals to be so much more valuable. Yes. And I think, you know, social is great. I think there's a place for social. I think there's a lot of people that social media resonate with. It doesn't resonate with me. So I will be out there as much as I need to be out there. Mm-hmm. And I think I really value human connection. So I need to go and connect with humans. It is. It is. That's, that's you know, I disappear from social media for weeks and then I appear again because I feel, I feel like, like I can't, I can't do this all the time for me. It, this is it's just a personal thing. So I just go through waves. It's like, what, a, ooh, what about it? Don't you like, I just feel like it becomes so much, almost a pressure that you have mm. to be doing this. And I just don't like that. I don't, I love doing things because they come out natural or because I want to share, well, I want to share this information with people. or I want to share this treatment I did, but not because I have to share this. I have to, I have to filled my my feed with a bunch of stuff because if not it's gonna look like I'm not doing anything. So it becomes a just a pressure. On top of my work becomes even more work. And it's not enjoyable. And like you said, you know, it doesn't come out like like natural, natural and true. It's just and this is again it's this is a personal choice and a personal feeling. It's sure. nothing like I see many of my other friends they post every day and that's amazing and I love watching their stuff but for me it becomes I don't know I became I become like a little bit anxious because I'm the same way I have to post I have to do this and I what 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 I hear you talking about is authenticity Mm -hmm. and being authentic to you there are people who again thrive on social media and that is amazing yes amazing and Mm -hmm. if I had that I am sure that on some level I would be thriving on social media, but I'm not right now. And you will. You will. Think, yeah. Well, I don't know if I want to, right? I think that's true. Yeah. I think part of it is going back to this idea of being true to yourself and showing up the way you want to show up. And one of the great benefits of having your own business is being able to do it on your terms. Yes. And, and if you feel pressure, then how much benefit are you really getting from it? If you can't quantify the benefit, is Uh it worth the pressure? Is the juice worth the squeeze? No, no, not at all. Going back to what you said about having, you know, the, the ability to do whatever you want because you have your own business. One of the things when I I was thinking about opening my place was I was so excited because I was going to be able to, just to do whatever I want in the room. I didn't have to follow a protocol. I didn't have to follow the time in between clients. I'm usually, and believe me, sometimes I go way over the time. For- I've been the beneficiary of that. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And that's why if I look at the future, like if I start thinking about my business in the future, I don't see having like a huge place because I want to keep it, uh, very intimate and and being able to 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 go over my time, you know, to not rush people, to not feel personally rushed. Because as much as uh, the client is enjoying the treatment, 
I enjoy the treatment even double because I mean, I enjoy the fact that I'm helping somebody, but I'm, I'm just like in this nice state of, you know, everything, you know, it's, it's a nice field. It's quiet. It's nice, nice music, relaxing. Peaceful. Yeah. So it's peaceful. So it's good for me. So at that point, I don't want to feel like I have to rush people. And that's why I would like to keep it just, you know, a little bit boutique like intimate, something where I can have good amount of clients to feel, you know, financially free, but at the same time, not have something so big that I, I cannot go on vacation because I'm like overwhelmed with worry of what's going to happen in my business. I love that you said that in yeah. so many different ways. The first, because I struggle with this a little bit and I've been very open about the fact that I'm a recovering overachiever. <laughs> and so I think t talking about the beliefs you absorb from people, right? I think I was mm -hmm. raised with this belief that bigger is better. And mm -hmm. I find myself struggling with this. Well, do I really want bigger or do I want the flexibility to go over with my clients if I go over with my clients, which yes. I tend to do sometimes? <laughs> or do I want the flexibility to only take as many clients as I want? Mm -hmm. And you're broaching a topic that I love which is sliding scales of success. Success can look different at different points in your life. Yes. So as we wind down, Paula, my first question for you is how do you define success today? Happiness. What is happiness? It's just if I'm happy, it doesn't matter if I, let's say if I have five, five clients, or two clients and I'm happy, that's success for me. If I have two clients and I'm happy, that's success. That's fine. I'm just a state of peace of being happy with myself. Um, that, that to me is being successful. It's not about the money or the amount of clients. It's just being happy. Being Yeah. And it almost sounds like just with your hand motion, you're almost suggesting like a fulfillment. Yes. From it. Yes. That makes uh -huh. sense. What do you know now that you wish you knew back then? Wow. That, you know, building a business or, or opening up a business is not that hard. The paperwork is not that hard as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> it has the little, you know, intricate stuff that you have to, it's like a, a foreign language in many ways. People were talking to me in terms that I was like, I have no idea. It was like, uh, like I, I was learning to speak English again. Yeah. Uh, but it's not that hard. It's not really that hard. So if I knew that it was like that, believe me, I would have done it long, long time ago. I would have done it in New York. Well, it goes back to what you were talking about, about like building things up in your head so much that you end up just creating this fear spiral that keeps you paralyzed instead of active. Yes. And yes. working toward a goal. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Lessons learned. What are the biggest lessons that you've learned along your journey to date? That I have to learn to delegate. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Because I was trying to do everything myself. And you know, when people say, oh, it cost me blood, sweat, and tears. In my case, there were lots lots of tears I was <laughs> yes 
I was so frustrated with trying to do everything myself. And I got to the point that I have to look for help and people helping me do this with when it comes to website or when it comes to certain things that I, I don't know. I just have to let it go and, and find somebody, find help. How are you with asking for help? Uh... I want to say I'm 50%, 50% okay and 50% not okay. It's, it's always like, not because it's not a, a, a thing of pride, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm better than that. It's just because I feel like I, I want to do it myself. It's, it's like an internal thing with myself and I, almost like, but why I have to ask for help? If I can do this, I know I can do this. If so-and-so can do it, I can do it. You used a word 30 plus minutes ago at the very beginning of our conversation. You said should. Yeah. I should do this. I should do that. Yeah. And I think with a lot of entrepreneurs, there's this idea or thought, well, I should be able to do all of this. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't need help. Yes. When At the end of the day, what is should? Who is telling us what we should and should not do? Yes, it's just something that we we just put on ourselves, basically. Yeah. Paola, this has been a really unsurprisingly interesting conversation. I feel like you and I have talked about lots of different things and it's just scratching the surface. Yes, so many (laughs) subjects on the table. We love for you to go to sleep, but we can help it. But talk. we can't help it, but talk. So, yeah. if anyone is living in and around and or visiting the South Florida area and wants to get in touch with you, either that or watching your wonderful videos on Instagram, <laughs> how can they do that? Okay, Instagram is Paula underscore a underscore Brown with e at the end, and uh, the website is. PaulaABSkin.com. And she's amazing. So you should definitely check her out. And Paula, like I said, thank you so much for joining us. No, it's thank really, you. oh, thank you. It's really full circle and it's special because I remember sitting there talking to you saying, I think I want to start a podcast. And you've been a cheerleader since day one. And I'm incredibly grateful for it. Oh, I'm I'm so happy that you did it because you're amazing. And oh, I'm going to keep you. listening to your podcast, either cleaning or driving. <laughs> <laughs> I love the text from you. Thanks, yeah, Paula. Yeah. Okay, bye. I'll see you soon. You're the best. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Worked Up. Please don't forget to follow, like, and write a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your shows. And please follow along with us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Jacqueline Beck Consulting or on LinkedIn at Jacqueline Beck Consulting. See you next time.